History can remember you forever. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you one of the missing pages from the diary of John Wilkes Booth. Your great-great-granddaddy planned the assassination of President Lincoln. It can't be. We cannot have him remembered as a conspirator in the assassination of the man who brought this nation together. Welcome to Rewatchability. It's the podcast where we rewatch old movies and see how they hold up in the modern eye. I'm Robert Larone. With me, as always, is Blaine Waters and J.M. McNabb. And we have a very big movie. I mean, not really. It's a. I mean, is it? It's a huge. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was a moneyed movie. It, they had money. It was sort of big. I remember big it being budget. big. I mean. The elephant in the room is that we are recording this on November third. Yeah, or it it's could election night. It could be a donkey in the room. We don't know yet. Right. <laughs> Hopefully, it's a donkey in the room. That's the right one, right? I'm not 100 percent on American politics. It is election night, and we don't know what's going to happen. I, the election results won't be settled for. We don't know how long. Everybody is sort of on the edge of their seat to see what's going to happen, and. We thought about, like, what sort of movie do we do to sort of address the election? Do we do, like, a political movie like Dick? That's a political movie, right? Oh, I, I, <laughs> Not the way I was going to watch it. I love that movie. I'm, I, Yeah, I think we maybe even talked about doing it because I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. But yeah, we, we won't get too much into the politics of it because we're sort of recording earlier in the evening and there's no... Uh, no real results. So you in the future, you know what's happened. We are mm-hmm. ignorant of that. But we wanted to do a a an American-themed movie. <laughs> yeah, a patriotic <laughs> movie. A movie that, like, speaks to the values of the country, I think. I mean, we're not Americans. <laughs> we're all Canadians. But we've seen a lot of American media. And we have a pretty good idea of what goes on down there. And, you know, we thought that this movie would be a great sort of maybe uh, distraction Let's put it that way. Kind of a distraction from everything. And uh, that movie is National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets. Actually, there's no two in the title. It's just National Treasure, colon, Book of Secrets. Okay. Yeah. I think I think there might have been on one of the uh, one of the DVD releases or something like that, just so you didn't get it mixed up. But uh, okay. fair point. And before we get into National Treasure 2, we should thank our Patreons. They're our National Treasure. They're the ones who give us one, three, five dollars each month to help keep the podcast running. And in return, we give them a little something, a tiny treasure, uh, the podcast early and ad free, as well as bonus content. Like not so long ago, we had a Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade watch along where we three watched the movie and we sort of like did like a mystery science theater 3000 thing on it and i was thinking about it because you know a few days ago we lost sean connery and mm-hmm. i was thinking about how we talked about sean connery's iconic performance in that movie and like what it meant to us and you know i think it'd be really great to revisit that little thing that we did and you can do that if you become a patreon so what you're saying is what our uh, bonus content is cursed. Yes. <laughs> and we'll kill any actors that we talk about. Okay, got it. Oh, my God. But you guys did, did Bill and Ted's, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Uh, we did yeah, a review of the new Bill and Ted. Well. Yeah. yeah. Well, remember... But Keanu, not Keanu. Speaking about oh. the curse, I mean, do you remember when we talked about Cocoon and then Wilfred Brimley literally died like yes. the next day? Yeah. He was invincible. Like, he had been in the in the pool, you know, and then uh, we took away his power. (laughs) Oh, man, you know know what's really weird is, remember how we were talking about how hard that movie is to find and I had to rent it on DVD because it's not on streaming or anything anywhere? 
but I was going through like my collection of DVDs, which aren't in cases. They're all in like kind of slip covers in a big box, but I don't mm. go through them that often, but I was organizing them the other day. I already own Cocoon on DVD. I have no <laughs> memory of buying Cocoon on DVD, but I have it. Spooky. Think Wilfred Brimley put it there? Oh, yeah. That would explain all the ectoplasm <laughs> in that room. Oh, God. Oh. Okay. Um, you know why I was thinking of, uh, of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Because... This movie reminds me a lot of that movie. Yeah, this movie feels like it <laughs> with a worse dad, very heavily, <laughs> way worse, worse dad. dad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah, absolutely. I would definitely go uh, for Sean Connery over John Voight. Though I know Sean Connery wasn't a saint either, and there are some definitely some criticisms of him. That well, he uh, he know, admitted to abusing women on TV. He he that's bragged the one I was about talking it. about. Yeah, yeah, they're all but, awful. Uh, John Voight is a Trump supporter, so fuck that guy particularly right now. Yeah. Fuck him. <laughs> uh, we'll but, we'll talk about that, yeah. <laughs> we are talking about National Treasure 2. It is a movie that came out in a time that was much simpler, 2007, starring Nicolas Cage and Diana Kruger and the guy Damn. who is barely in The Hangover. Justin Bartha? Is that his name? I... <laughs> Yeah, I hate that we're. I hate that you're accurate in that it was a much simpler time, but it was also after nine eleven. Like it was still, it was still a really fucked up time. Well, I, fucked up things are always happening. We're There's only no in a few really illegal wars. Time. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, but Jam, when was the first time that you saw this movie? Because I know that you are a big national treasure devotee. I am. A Is that he- correct? Uh, no. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I number one fan. I did see it in the theater, <laughs> and I was wearing Counts my National Treasure T-shirt. So I don't know what you're talking about. Your tri corner hat. No, yeah, I saw it in the theater. I don't know why I like these movies. These movies are stupid, and I kind of hate them, but I also <laughs> find them so easy to watch. Like I, I both think they're uh, poorly constructed, dumb movies that make people who watch them stupider. <laughs> Even while they do kind of teach you about American history to a certain extent, I guess. It's pretty amazing. But it's also, but at the same time, like, I like puzzle movies. I like chase movies. Like every, every kind of superficial thing about this movie is something, or these movies are things that appeal to me. So I totally like it in spite of myself. I, 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 was excited to watch these movies and also you know they're just goofy fun and i i think i said this when we did the first national treasure on the podcast but like i like the da vinci code which is something i don't like on paper seems like i i should like it and this was clearly a ripoff of like you know someone said the da vinci code is popular like can you imagine how popular the da vinci code in america would be America's greatest country on earth. Uh, so they clearly just took that premise, applied it to American history, and and uh, made millions and millions of dollars. But uh, there's something about these movies that I like more than than the Vinci Code movies, which are also stupid but have this kind of like self seriousness about them. Like, right. Whereas this, it's it it is self important, but it's got so much goofiness, and uh, you know any movie that casts Justin Bartha in a in a lead <laughs> role can't can't be that, <laughs> or Nicolas Cage for that matter. Like Nicolas well, Cage yeah, is a true. maniac, and <laughs> casting him in any movie, let alone a a big Disney franchise, is just a kind of inherently gonzo decision that I can't help but get on board with. Uh, so yeah, I saw this movie in the theater. I was excited about it. Fuck you. <laughs> what about you, Blaine? <laughs> I I like that Disney was like you know what you know what kids love Nicholas Cage get, get him in here. Well, he was also He's in like, the uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice at this time. Yeah, yeah this, this was time. like Pete Cage. Yeah, they were like, let's have yeah. Nicholas Cage be our new like I don't know Jimmy Stewart or Fred McMurray. Like he'll be the new <laughs> face of like family comedy. Yeah, I see a lot of actors as like, you know, your your drunk uncle or like your slimy uncle and Nick Cage is like your unhinged went to prison uncle. He, <laughs> like, he's your uncle's cocaine I'm, dealer. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm like I'm afraid of him in this movie in a way that I didn't think I would be because I love Face Off. I love Nick Cage movies um, in general. I, Con Air uh, just put it into my veins, and I I will happily uh, drift off into Nick Cage land. But then there's there's things that are unsettling about him, especially when he's thrown into relief against a kids movie. <laughs> So I'm I'm excited to talk about it. I didn't wa- ever watch this movie. Um, I never got wow. on board with the. Oh really? With the, yeah, it's like I you never, hate history. <laughs> I did. I, you know, <laughs> you know. Actually, I in order to get a bus to school, I needed to take some classes in French. So <laughs> I, I, yeah. So that's I, I a lie. To you're a you're st- pulling one over on our American listeners. That's not how it works no. in Canada. <laughs> no, it, I seriously in Kingston it was. So I went to a grade seven eight uh, French school and I learned French. And then the summer between grade eight and nine, I forgot all French. And wow. um, I had to go back to school on this bus in the high school, and I had to take four classes in French. So I did, like, music and gym and, like, everything that didn't need language and, like, math. And uh, and I, then I did history in French. So I know no history. I was – I failed that class so hard. And I think the person that wrote this movie was in my class. So I, I think – I think – um, well, didn't speak French wait, either. Wait, can you speak French? Because I kind of want you to do the rest of the podcast. En français. Legally, aren't we supposed to? <laughs> <laughs> we have to now. No, I still can't. I'm trying to learn through Duolingo, and that damn owl isn't teaching me much. So, oh, um, man. Yeah. What about you, Rob? Did you ever see this movie? I know you gave me a real hard time for not having seen it. Oh, no, I didn't have... see it. What? No, okay. oh, guys, the name of the show is Rewatch. <laughs> I know, I know. And, you know, when we were talking about it last week, we were talking about all the political movies that we could watch. Another one that we suggested was My Fellow Americans, which I remember really loving as well. But this seemed like such a nice distraction from everything. It really seemed like the tone that I wanted. And I knew it was going to be election night. I knew that we were going to be uh, having to deal with everything that's happening. So I thought like this would be a good way to talk about it without really talking about it because there are there are the themes, there are some nice, you know, some nice moments in this movie. I mean, I guess I didn't know that at the time, but you know, I thought that there would at least be something to talk about. So yeah. I'm excited to get into National Treasure even though I just saw it for the first time a couple hours ago. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Nick, Nicholas Cage is yelling throughout the movie. It just primed my anxiety for tonight. It just it just got me going already. Honestly, I'm yeah. taking the Nicholas Cage approach to tonight. I am like going to be a little bit more unhinged, a little bit louder, a little bit more animated. You guys are just going to have to deal with it because that's that's the only way to get through it. Yeah, I'm. The second- I'm not looking forward to it. I'm going to have to watch it all, but uh, I have beer, so there's that. <laughs> thank goodness thank goodness okay so let's get into it national treasure it starts in the past with a suspiciously john wilkes booth looking fella (laughs) and another guy and they're sort of going to bring this book to this man named thomas gates who if we sort of remember from the first movie gates is the name of the nicholas cage character Mm mm-hmm And they're getting him to sort of decipher this code. And while he's doing it, he says that, oh, it's going to take a while. Why don't you go off and, you know, attend the theater or something like that? And uh, John Wilkes Booth goes and, uh, or sorry, this guy, you don't know who he is at this point. (laughs) Well, you know what's going to happen. I mean, we all know what's going to happen. He goes and he shoots Abraham Lincoln. And then he, you know, he jumps off the stage. Oh, my God. You hear the vicious crack of his leg, which, if you know your history, John Wilkes Booth really did jump from the box to the stage and, like, break his leg, say the thing, and then run off. So, so far, we're doing okay on the history, except for maybe the uh, deciphering the code thing. Yeah, if my memory served me well, I think he jumped onto the stage and yelled, Baba Booey. And then <laughs> everyone was like, ah. And then he, he ran had, away. That guy. He had soy bomb painted on his chest. <laughs> it was weird. But this guy, Thomas Gates, he notices that 
Booth's companion has this like pin and that he is some sort of bad dude. He's like a Confederate sympathizer. And so he doesn't want to finish the translation and there's an altercation. He gets shot and he sort of throws the pages in the fire because he doesn't want the Confederates to get them. And he dies while his young son is watching. And that is the harrowing beginning to this movie. Cut to a very boring university lecture (laughs) about this very same thing. I have slides. Thanks, Nick. (laughs) I mean, I I sort of appreciate the what Hollywood adds to these stories after hearing Nicolas Cage sort of tell it. It's, you know, it's a little bit more boring, but... Nicholas Cage is telling this very story, the one about his ancestor and Abraham Lincoln, the night that he got shot, and somebody in the back of the uh, lecture theater sort of calls out about the missing pages, and it is Ed Harris, very mature student. What'd you say? <laughs> Sorry, I got. I said Ed Helms. I messed up. That would make more sense because, like, I I had the same. Even though I've seen this movie before, like, I forgot that it was Ed Harris and had the reaction I probably had when I first saw it, or, which is, why is Ed Harris in this movie? Like, isn't he? I mean, it's the first of a few times I think in this movie where you'll be like, isn't this person too good to be in this movie? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I thought about it, I was like. Ed Harris shouldn't be in this movie. He was in The Rock. He's so good. And then I was like, oh, Nick Cage was the right. Never mind. It's yeah. a Jerry Bruckner <laughs> uh, production. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's true. The They're connection. all in terrible movies. But, but uh, it, he does lend a sense of kind of like, because I, I was, you know, I, I didn't really remember this movie that well. I did rewatch it a few years ago, but uh, I watched it like five years ago when my first kid was born and I wasn't sleeping hardly at all. And I just put it on for just a numb numb ridiculous entertainment so i didn't really remember but like i i had that moment where i was like oh like this might actually turn out okay (laughs) like (laughs) this was this stupid like it begins with john wilkes booth like giving someone a sudoku and i'm like okay (laughs) this is gonna be terrible but then ed harris shows up and it's a little like it's a little reassuring right for sure i mean ed harris is great i i can't think of a movie that i don't like ed harris in and you know he he really he usually elevates uh, whatever he's in. I mean, he's, you know, he's a badass and uh, he's great. Yeah. But here he is sort of suggesting that he has evidence that Nicolas Cage's ancestor was, in fact, a conspirator in the Lincoln assassination. Thank you, Dr. Nichols. I only wish my grandfather had been here to, to see this one. Excuse day. me. I have a question I'd like to ask. What do you think ever happened to that Booth Diary page that was pulled out of the fire? We may never know. Perhaps. Perhaps not. You see, I have one of those great-great-granddaddies just like you. Way up in my family tree, named Silas Wilkinson. He used to tell a story about the night Lincoln was shot. As Silas tells it, Booth didn't seek out Thomas Gates regarding the treasure map that night. It was Thomas who called the meeting. A meeting to plan the assassination of Lincoln. He is sullying Nicolas Cage's and also John Voight's name. And And Bill Gates's, the founder of Microsoft. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, I think you feel like with Bill Gates's money, they could just, like, do some legal tactics to uh, put out this story instead of, you know, the whole uh, kidnapping the president thing that happens later. But... (laughs) You know. I, I also I feel like this. I also love that Ed Harris, like he could be like, I'm just going to call like a private meeting with like the dean of the school or whatever to talk about this. He's like, no, I'm going to wait until like the middle of his lecture. <laughs> then I'm going <laughs> to yeah, speak. Exactly. I'm going to interrupt in front of all the students, make him look like a big jerk. I like to think that he. he I like to think that he enrolled in classes and like <laughs> <laughs> spent three months there, picked up some things about history. <laughs> I'm just auditing back here. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, I feel like this is also like a, a, a bad commercial for Ancestry.com because this is like what half the people find. They're like, hey, maybe like, you know, I'm this from this exotic place or something. And then they just find out like, oh, my great great grandfather was like a Confederate soldier. Great. Okay. Have you ever done it? I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I have. I have. <laughs> oh, you found out about the Confederate soldier. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, that's... No, no, it was way better for me. Okay. But. There is, I think we're going to talk about how, like, this is a wildly problematic movie. And, like, the this sets up the motive for Nicolas Cage, which isn't just finding this goddamn other treasure, but, like, to clear his ancestor's name. And I actually think mm-hmm. it would have been, you know, not to spoil too much, but it would have been more powerful for him to kind of reckon with like his ancestor being terrible. Cause guess what? Yeah. All of our ancestors were, all of our white ancestors <laughs> for us white people were probably monsters. For like, sure. And yeah. I mean, not mine, but. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, probably for sure. <laughs> but no, he's hell bent on like clearing his great great grandfather. And it's, I don't know. It's, it's pretty stupid. It seems like a, like a yeah, it's a bad motivation for the rest of the, for the rest of the movie. It's not great. Yeah, well, I mean, there's also the city of gold that uh, <laughs> we forgot to mention. So that was, I feel like that's also a motivation. Well, he I doesn't mean, know about that yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. He like right, find, well, he finds the where does he find the Sudoku or the the it's not a Sudoku. It's, it's on the it's on the back of the list of the conspirators. Oh, names, first he has to right? break into it his uh, girlfriend's house or yeah, his, yeah. his ex girlfriend's house or ex wife's yeah. house. It's yeah. basically like, have you guys been reading about what's been going on with Phil Collins? <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's basically that. What? Well, the, I'm in the Phil Collins fan club, and it's been a torrent of gossip over there. In the air, everything. is It's crazy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Phil Collins' wife is, like, living in their house with her new husband and, oh. uh, like, hired, like, armed security to keep everyone out. It's kind of like that. So he has to he has to sneak back into his old mansion because he has this crazy mansion that he bought with the treasure from the first movie. It's exactly like Nicolas Cage's life. Like, literally, <laughs> he spent all his money on huge real estate, and then it tanked. And Yeah, uh, that's true. He yeah. spent all of his national treasure money on real estate. Because, so. like, if you guys got, like, millions of It's a documentary dollars, is what I'm saying. Like, like he yeah. got at the end of the movie, like, I could see him buying, like, a really nice house, but he buys, like, yeah, like, Nicolas Cage's castle, basically. Are we <laughs> not sure that it's there. not just Nicolas Cage's house <laughs> and they just filmed it? Like, did anybody spot yeah. a T-Rex skull or anything like that? I don't know, Elvis's cryogenic corpse, anything? That would have been great, because he kind of fakes that he just came back there to, like, pick up some of his stuff. It would have been great if he just had, like, yeah, like a dinosaur skull underneath his arm. <laughs> like, oh, I just came to pick up a few things. Yeah. The first action, Superman action comic. Hey, yeah, this, is, this is mine. <laughs> yeah. They have to solve, like, a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, this movie goes through all of these sort of, like, puzzle pieces and clues. At one point, he just, like, flat out sort of asked John Voight to tell uh, the sort of story of that his grandfather passed down, his grandfather who was the little boy who saw Thomas Gates get killed. And so he sort of remembers that the last thing that he said is this thing that, you know, the debt that all men pay, which is the cipher for the code, and that allows them to solve the thing. And they eventually, all this, I think, sort of leads them to the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, I just feel like that's one of the most un- unrealistic parts is that this like code is handed down through generations intact. Have you like ever heard a story from your grandparent that like was intact to begin with? Like th- it wouldn't survive the grapevine. Come on. It would have come out like schnarble flop. Like I don't know. I mean that's what he said. He said <laughs> <laughs> plus with like all the races that you just have to tune out at certain points. <laughs> <laughs> I can't listen to this man. <laughs> John Voight. <laughs> Come on. So anyway, they do get to the to the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, but not the Statue of Liberty that you're thinking of. Oh no. This movie is very clever because it's you know, it's very much like a oh, were you thinking of this? Ah, but actually it's this. Cause there is another Statue of Liberty. Actually, I think there's three Statues of Liberty, but the one that they go to is the one in France. And it's sort of like a miniature Statue of Liberty that's sort of like nearby the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. I think that's the Eiffel Tower, like the actual size Eiffel Tower. I don't know. It could be the, a the, uh, version. The, the other one's in New York, and the third one famously is on the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> right? <laughs> Wasn't that Earth? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> All along? <laughs> Yeah, and there they find another clue, which sort of leads them to 
Buckingham Palace where they're going to go into the Queen's desk because it's this famous desk which was sort of built from the timbers of the HMS Resolute and there's another copy we find out later or maybe you know this in the Oval Office. But first they have to break into the Queen's desk and they do this by going to Buckingham Palace and making a huge scene. (laughs) This is the start of Nicolas Cage yelling for the rest of the movie. This is where it starts. Yeah, Nicolas Cage has to fight with her, so he gets he gets one scene where he gets to go full Nick Cage. You know, like every everything else he's kind of like mumbling something about American history, but he he gets one scene where he gets to go full like coke-addled Nick Cage. And it's disturbing. It's, yeah. I mean, it's weird. I I also like I like uh Diane Kruger, but you know, we talked about her character in the first movie. And I feel like it's almost worse in this movie because Mm -hmm. in the first movie we meet her and she is supposed to be like an expert in her field, right? Like she's like the curator of this museum. She's like, you know, she has a big job. And again, in this one, she's like, she's always just trailing behind Nicolas Cage. And so like, and like (laughs) her biggest contribution is like, she has to wear like a low cut dress to like distract the guy from modern family in in a scene coming up but like yeah so she has to like fight with him but she doesn't she doesn't even realize at first that they're like pretend fighting even though he's acting like a maniac i don't know it's it's silly yeah yeah and like yeah i find it like a little bit like weird potentially misogynistic that yeah like there's this, you know, yeah, really smart woman and like her role in this Buckingham Palace scene is just to like, you know, pick a fight with Nicolas Cage and bicker, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, it's a little bit, uh, no good. Abigail. Abigail. What's she doing here? What are you doing here? Your dad called me. Said your next clue was here. But she's really there? <clears throat> Look, Ben. Drop her. Loser. I want to help. Well, that's very nice, but it's kind of a bad time right now. A bad time right now? It's a bad time. Okay, I, I just flew all the way to London to offer my help. Ben, and, and what, now you decided you just, you don't need it. You're the one who's making a scene right now. I, I'm not making a scene right now. No, we want to make a scene. Well, then fine! If that's what you want, then let's have it out right now! But they do go and see the Queen's desk. She's not there. I mean, we'll see her later, or at least the actress most famous for playing her. But <laughs> this desk is like a little puzzle thing. It's like a, a Chinese puzzle box. Find there's like a, the drawers have like a combination safe thing, and it sort of opens up this thing revealing this plank of wood i think it's like one of those planks that you cook like a salmon on you know it gives it that like oaky (laughs) cedary taste you know it's good but uh no it it has (laughs) it has even more clues on it every clue leads to another clue um and this one has some indigenous writing on it so this means that they have to go and see the lady who played the queen famously helen mirren who is in this movie for some reason yeah. I don't know why. This was the second time where I thought to myself, I couldn't they do something better than this? I... Wait, what about Harvey Keitel in there? Well, he was in the first one, though. So he was already oh, locked okay. into this I madness. See. I see. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I feel like Harvey yeah, Keitel it's... will do anything, you know? He's just, uh, yeah. you know, he's like an old guy. You go pick him up at the senior's home, and he'll do your tough guy thing. He's great. I felt that it was kind of weird that they were like, oh, this is some indigenous writing on this plank of wood. And who knows better about indigenous people than uh, Helen Mirren, right. <laughs> like this, this white woman at this college. Oh, well, that is just, I was like, oh, maybe they'll... It- that is the tip of the iceberg. They wield an entire culture for the purposes of, of this plot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but they find out that it's only half the message, and where is the other half? Of course, it's in the other desk, right? Of course, they don't actually say this for a while, even though you're screaming it in your brain because it's so obvious. But so that means that they have to go to the Oval Office. And luckily, the Diane Kruger character's, you know, current boyfriend is a Secret Service agent, and that's the Modern Family Guy. And they go during the Easter egg roll, and that's kind of fun, you know. Is when- he a Secret Service agent? I wasn't sure what he was. 
He was like a curator of the museum. Oh, maybe. Of the White yeah, House. something yeah. like that. He, he just has a very secret service agent look to him, I think, with that like jaw, that American jaw. Like, you yeah, know, definitely. He should be defending a president. I mean, not the current president, but, you know, like, <laughs> a good president. If it was Bruce Greenwood, protect that man, you know? <laughs> but they go into the Oval Office and do the thing with the desk, but. It's not there. Somebody took the plank. And and to find this out, they use the other female character in just a great way, too. Just as a distraction. It's, it's the same female <laughs> character, Blaine. Same There's, okay, there's one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess two with Helen Mirren. Yeah, Helen, yeah, yeah, Helen Mirren's it's, it's, in there. Come on, man. Give them credit. Again, like, yeah, she's like a professor. She was like, she's like the head of whatever museum it was from the first movie. Like she, she is well more accomplished than Nicolas Cage, who is just famous for having like a famous family. And her, like the only thing she contributes to like solving this puzzle is she wears like a cocktail dress and makes out with Ty Burrell so he can <laughs> but put how her much- on the desk. How much better would that scene have been if the roles were reversed, though, and she got to poke around the desk while Nicolas Cage was, like, relentlessly hitting on time mm-hmm. That would have been a better scene. It would have been more distracting, I'd say. I, it would have been more interesting. <laughs> and that slash fiction exists on the internet somewhere. <laughs> I'm writing it right now. Whenever I'm not speaking, I'm writing <laughs> National it. Treasure. A lot of people don't know this, but, yeah, it's a big commodity for slash fiction writers. Star Trek... I can't think of any others than National Treasure. <laughs> can't think of a single other movie or no. TV show. No, not out of the hundreds we've Nothing done. Nothing sexy. No. <laughs> I'm not going to say E.T. I mean, the novel, as we talked about, was erotic enough. But Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> oh, my God. That's, thing. <laughs> That's weird. But, uh, yeah. Enticing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to finish the sentence for you. <laughs> So he gets, yeah, the, the plank's not there, right? It's just, uh, there's, but there's a logo. There's a, uh, an insignia. Right. It's an IOU. And yeah. this sort of, this is where Justin Bartha gets to shine. He has been sort of bumbling through this thing. At the beginning, he had written a book that nobody seemed to care about with like, you know, these sort of funny like cutouts of him in like an Indiana Jones pose that we're supposed to think are ridiculous. But, you know, I just feel bad for him because, uh, you know, he's trying, I guess. But, <laughs> He says that there is a president's secret book, just like the title of this movie, Book of Secrets, and that is where (laughs) this information must be, where the location of the plank is. So they just have to find the book. So easy peas. To do that, they're just going to kidnap the president, and then uh, he'll tell them where it is. It's not a big deal at all. Kidnap the president? Well, he also, you know... It it obviously seems like they needed a line for the trailer that would be like a notch above I'm gonna steal the Declaration of right. Independence. So right. he even like they're talking about it. They're talking about the president, and he says, I'm gonna kidnap him. And then he he repeats for no other reason other than to just excerpt that line for the commercial. <laughs> he says, I'm it's- gonna kidnap the president of the United States. <laughs> Like there's, I love it. No what, what do you think the third one is going to be? Like, I have to assassinate Gandhi. Like, Gandhi's what? dead. How's he? Gandhi's <laughs> already dead. Has to be something How's American. he going to do this? It's going to have to be Washington like, uh, I'm, I'm going to demolish the Washington Monument or well, something. Well, you know, America. there was. We may, I think we maybe even talked about this on the last National Treasure one, but when Nicolas Cage was on SNL like Andy Samberg used to do Nicolas Cage and it always right. ended with a joke where he would one up that thing like yeah yeah exactly he'd be like I'm gonna make out the Statue <laughs> of Liberty or like you know something crazy like that and he'd always say it in like the you know the rhythm of I'm gonna kidnap the president I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence Nicolas Cage went on and did that bit with Andy Samberg and then ended with one of those jokes but he said it in like a totally weird <laughs> way that wasn't in that rhythm it was like I don't even think he understands that the joke is that he said those two things in those movies i just don't think that you get the same performance from nicholas cage twice 
Even no. if you do it like back to back, I think his, I think like his cuts he's are erratic. wildly different. That's true. And you just have to edit together what you get. You're like, I guess he's erratic in this scene. I guess we have to build a movie around him yelling. <laughs> you have to create the conditions for Nicolas Cage to happen. That's all you can do. <laughs> he's like life itself. You know, <laughs> you need pressure and time. Mandy was supposed to be a light comedy. Until he showed up. You have to roll with it. <laughs> you just have to roll with it. Um, yeah, but so they have to kidnap the... Pre- and they they don't... It's not a real kid. I mean, this is where I quibble. Is it, it doesn't feel like a kidnapping. Like, they don't, like, you know, put a hood over his head and throw him into a white van and then take him to a, a basement. <laughs> it's more like... Well, there is a basement, but it's George Washington's basement. So, you know... Jesus... <laughs> Be careful what you're saying, Rob. You're like outlining the steps. You're like, it, it's not like you roll up with this certain car. You go to home you're hardware, like, you get whoa, some whoa, duct tape, Rob, Rob. a rope. In front of thousands of internet viewers, tell us how you specifically would kidnap the president of the United States. <laughs> Hypothetically? <laughs> oh, uh, Jesus. Yeah. Well, also, yeah, we should mention he's played by uh, Bruce Greenwood. Mm-hmm. Great uh, who president. Who could never be president because he's Canadian. Yeah, yeah. I would feel great if there was a Canadian president right now. Um, and I know to Americans that might sound weird, but I just think that we have our hands on the wheel right now. <laughs> well, also, he didn't he play JFK? He in did. 13 Days? Yep. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. kind of weird. I think he also played another president in another movie. So he has lots of experience and also... Like, I think he played JFK a second time, too, didn't he? This would have been bang-up trivia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> nah. I love that our trivia has devolved into, you know, I think that happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, but he, yeah, he kind of lures him down to these tunnels that George Washington built, kind of uh, piquing his curiosity. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he doesn't kidnap him so much as he like closes a trap door on the Secret Service so mm-hmm. he can speak to him privately about the secret book, uh, the Book of Shadows. This would not work like with the current president because Trump has no fucking interest in history or curiosity about anything, and he'd be like, you know. Secret passages, I'm going to build the biggest secret passages. They're going to be the best secret passages. Everyone's going to be talking about my secret passages and how secret they are. Nobody's seen a secret passage like this. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it's, people, you'd be like, it's a book. Have you seen a book around? He's like, book. Do you mean a uh, VHS copy of Kickboxer? No, it's not. <laughs> it's don't not in, that. Don't I go through Kickboxer. Yeah. Oh no! It's, it's, sorry, it's not Kickboxer. It's Bloodsport. His favorite movie. His favorite movie is fast forwarding to the fight scenes in Bloodsport. And I'm not joking. That <laughs> oh my! There God. was like a story oh like a long time ago. They sent him a screener of some movie, and someone was writing a profile of him. Like this was before he was president, and they sent someone that knew him sent him a screener of their movie, and it was like he watched like half an hour of it and turned it off, and then just <laughs> watched his favorite scenes from Bloodsport. <laughs> Jesus, he's a monster. Uh, go on. I was, <laughs> I was trying to think of like what would be in his book, like just like you know, hearts and Ivanka's name or something. I like, I don't know. I don't what think would there be would be hearts. Like, he has secrets. no capacity for love. He is no, no. On that note, let's take a break. Here, we'll be back with more talk about national treasure. We'll find that city of gold right after this break. <laughs> We're back. It's rewatchability. We're talking about National Treasure 2, the Nicolas Cage movie that is crazy. And we just got to the part where he (laughs) kidnapped, in scare quotes, the president. And it's really more like a luring, you know, than a kidnapping. I don't know. It doesn't sound much better when I say it that way. But he's the president, you know? No. Uh, Well, yeah, because also, like, he, at the end of the scene, like, he kind of convinces him to tell him where the secret book, the Book of Shadows, is. And Mm -hmm. uh, he, like, the president says, like, you know, you're going to have to explain why you kidnapped the president. Everyone's going to come after you and arrest you. And it's like, why don't you just, like, like in the, you know, skipping ahead to the end of the movie, he does lines. It's like, what do you mean? Like, the door just accidentally closed behind us. It's like, motherfucker, why didn't you say that? You know, two days ago. <laughs> yeah, just lie. That's what presidents do, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, but he could book you know, full of secrets. Him? 
<laughs> be like, I got this. Don't worry about this. I'll pull a Conrad Black. I'll just pardon you. You know, <laughs> you call me. I'll I'll make it happen. That's what those are for, right? Anyway, so cynical. Oh, but you know what? One thing I did want to mention is there's one part about with I think Bruce Greenwood's performance in particular that I like where they are talking about democracy, and uh, it's pretty nice. Because you're the President of the United States, sir. Whether by innate character, or the oath you took to defend the Constitution, or the weight of history that falls upon you, I believe you to be an honorable man, sir. Gays people don't believe that stuff anymore. They want to believe it. But, yeah, so he has to go find the secret book. And where is this secret book? It's in the Library of Congress, like every book, you know. Mm. Could have just skipped the whole kidnapping the president and just searched on the Library of Congress website. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Archive.org? It's there. It's right there. Do a Boolean search. You know, ask a librarian to help you. Oh, actually, I actually have a Library of Congress uh, library card. I did some research there. He should have checked uh, audible.com to see if, like, <laughs> John Malkovich read the Book of Secrets. <laughs> Book of Secrets by the presidents, read by John Malkovich. <laughs> yeah, and then they go, and then the police show up, like a, almost a SWAT team or something, because they think he kidnapped the president. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, ah, I don't know. This this movie's weird. Like, the president, why wouldn't he just say... <laughs> he didn't kidnap me. Th- I went with him willingly. Yeah, the thing he says yeah, later so on. Like, he's just fucking with people for no reason, which I admit is more presidential than anything else. <laughs> to be fair, we don't know what party held Congress. They could have, if it the Republicans, they could have compelled him. I guess we don't know whether he's a Democrat or Republican. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, this movie is apolitical. Well, doesn't he say he's from Texas, though? Then he's a Republican. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't, you know what? That is not a Texas accent. That is a Texas via Vancouver accent, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's also like, I'm sorry, but like the thing I know him from most recently is when we did Double Jeopardy on the podcast. So yeah, I just see him as evil. Right. Notorious Ashley Judd Framer. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we forgot to mention also that Randy Travis is in this movie. He has like a little, you know, a little cameo on the on the lawn or whatever. Yeah. Oh, man. When I first saw him, I was like, he's playing the president? <laughs> like, I thought for a minute. And then I was, and then in my like adult, you know, anxious mind, I was like, I was like, the president singing, like it was, it was really bad. What if the president was, really was like, the next clue you seek is tattooed on Randy Travis's lower back? <laughs> and Nicholas Cage was like, ah, you know what, forget it. <laughs> How did Queen Victoria set that up? <laughs> She's very good. Okay, so the book tells him that the treasure, the the city of gold, is hidden in the Black Hills of South Dakota, where where Mount Rushmore was created to disguise all of the landmarks that are in the like treasure map, so mm-hmm. people won't be able to find it. Yes. So maybe this is a good point to talk about how this movie is wildly problematic. Wait, uh, what? Because I, I honestly can't remember our discussion of the first movie. And, you know, I think we were pretty uh, focused on like unpacking the kind of mechanics of the plot and how nuts that all was. But like, obviously, I mean, the, the premise of, of this character that like worships the founding fathers in that way without like unpacking all of the atrocities of American history is, is, not great, you know, especially right. now where where we actually are kind of culturally having the conversation about what we choose to uh, memorialize and, and who we, you know, commemorate and in what ways. Uh, so I think that national treasure is is inherently like a something that needs to uh, needs to be looked at a bit closer in terms of this reverence it has for for the founding fathers. But on top of that, like what I'd forgotten is this movie specifically is about like an, an indigenous city of gold, mm-hmm. which, okay, even before we get to where it's located, like 
It's about, you know, these white characters going to steal back treasure on land that was already stolen, <laughs> which is really bad. And then, like, at one point, like, Nicolas Cage's obviously only motivation for this is to, like, clear his great-grandfather's name. But then when he's talking to Bruce Greenwood, like, he has an offhand comment where he's like, and we'll get the Native American treasure and that will go to, like, uh, the descendants. Like, it's an afterthought. It's like... <laughs> No, you never talked about that. That's not a thing you're planning. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, and then we find out that it's uh, at the site of uh, Mount Rushmore, which has a, a terrible, terrible history because mm-hmm. it was like a, you know, I mean, I don't know that much about it, but from what I understand, it was a sacred site that was like stolen and yeah, stolen from the Sioux people. And so to have that and like the, the movie could set aside some time to like delve into that like even just a little bit and it never does and you know skipping ahead to the end like it ends on a very romantic note featuring mount rushmore you know like it so yeah it's it's extra terrible like it's it's worse than the first one in terms of its inability to grapple with uh with the uh terrible history of america mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and then they get to this tomb or whatever, this, you know, catacomb where they are looking for this, uh, you know, city of lost gold. And they get to this city. And one thing that I found puzzling was they talk about it. It's as an Olmec city. And, you know, it's like all of the sort of like Mexican sort of imagery, all the stuff that we know that was happening in what is now Mexico. Mount Rushmore is nowhere near Mexico. Yeah, I didn't even understand like <laughs> what this city is. Like it's a whole another culture that they were trying to it's, <laughs> that they were trying to say made a city of gold. Uh, so It weird. seems like they wrote a thing and then brought someone else on board and was like, "Hey, you know what else is an American thing? Mount Rushmore. Why don't, couldn't the treasure be on Mount Rushmore?" And like, "Oh, we already wrote this thing about this city." Like, "Nah, just <laughs> put it there who cares we already have these olmec designs done all this work (laughs) one indigenous culture is the same as the other right right i mean this this does make a good push to be like the most american movie though because it does pick and choose and change its own past so much so it's very american yeah yeah well so they all everybody is sort of at this catacomb you got nicholas cage you got justin bartha you got john voigt you got helen mirren you got ed harris the gang's all there and they're all sort of like going through this thing though at one point john voigt and helen mirren get separated so that they can have like some old people rekindling of romance a little bit you know there's one point where john voigt and uh, helen mirren have to like swing on a vine like indiana jones and uh yeah, it's a it's a family movie. Uh, I felt so bad for Helen Mirren. <laughs> I mean, just having to like hold on to John Voight. Yeah, it's yeah. a slimy good, dude. Good paycheck. <laughs> yeah, like maybe we should just briefly mention the John Voight of it all. Like you said, like he's a Trump supporter and he's he's kind of a right wing nut now. But like it's extra weird because this movie. Like at one point, like he's talking about like, oh, we can't let the Confederates get the city of gold. I was like, but you, that seems like something you would want, John Voight. Yeah. God damn it. Why, why did it have to be John Voight? And he's, he's actually kind of good in these movies. Like he's, he's, he has a charm. Yeah. There are points that I really like his performance and I almost wanted to forget that, uh, yeah, he's such an asshole in real life. But uh, I couldn't, so, you know, <laughs> that was fun. Eventually, yeah, so they have to, like, get through the thing, and they all sort of, like, come together at this point. Like, Ed Harris, who has been, you know, the bad guy, has been, like, sort of threatening them, and at one point, like, threatened to kill his mom or, you know, his uh, his dad. He sort of helps. They sort of cooperate, and at the end, he sort of sacrifices himself to let them escape after they found the City of Gold, but um, it sort of gets waterlogged. You know, they have a plumbing problem, you know. But they all get out. Yeah, and then that's that's sort of it. Nick Cage and his uh, wife sort of get back together. And uh, that's that's it. That's the treasure. Love. <laughs> or City of Gold, one of those. It's either gold or love. Yeah. Yeah. So 
we usually do some behind the scenes and trivia on this. And I think JM, you have one question for us well, for this movie. I have one piece of trivia that uh, that I have for you guys, and that is which you know we're talking about the election and everything that's happening now. Which former Trump administration official is credited on IMDb as appearing in this movie. What? <laughs> which 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 no. former Trump administration official is credited on IMDb as appearing in National Treasure Book of Secrets? Uh was Amorosa in this movie? <laughs> no. The mooch? <laughs> the mooch? Is the mooch there? Oh man, the I'm mooch? just having like flashbacks of like all these characters who have like flown through our lives, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I and like you are so who, beautiful who is, is playing, <laughs> except it's ironic. Uh it's <laughs> Rex Tillerson. Uh, I'll give you a clue. He was also on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, um fuck, what's his name? Yeah, you've forgotten, haven't you? You've well, pushed I pushed that name it in my memory. It's yeah. Sean Spicer. 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 And I don't think he actually is in this movie. The reason why he's credited from what I could tell, I, I looked into it a while back because I saw that on IMDb and uh, thought it was weird and wanted to talk about it. He's credited on IMDb as appearing uncredited as the Easter Bunny in the White House Easter scene. <laughs> Because he actually did appear as he did used to do that, like dress up like the Easter Bunny at the White House. What? That's real. Interesting. But I don't think he was in the movie. So, like, I looked it up at the time. I found someone on like social media somewhere. I don't remember who because I didn't bother to look it up again. But someone had basically said, like, they knew this movie had the Easter Bunny in it. Sean Spicer played the Easter Bunny around this period of time at the White House. So they emailed IMDb and was like, you should put Sean Spicer as being credited in the, in this movie as the Easter Bunny because he was the Easter Bunny at that time. And they just, they just put it in. That's all it took, I guess. Oh, my God. Wow. Is it like – is IMDb kind of like Wikipedia but – like they have like a robot just putting it in. Like if you email them, they'll just put in any credit. I don't know. Yeah. Be amazing. I mean, like, question I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's one hundred percent true. But like, I was searching like Sean try that Spicer out. National Treasure, and one of the few things I found was a guy on social media claiming that he had emailed IMDb and suggested that credit. So nice. Uh, if anyone, if anyone out there has an idea of who we should credit and in what movie, we'll send that email to IMDb and find out. If we can oh, we should credit. Uh, we should credit your friend uh, Rob and Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> oh, Graham! <laughs> we, should, we should get Graham. Yeah, credit for Scott Pilgrim <laughs> for his for his his uh, acting work. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And Kellyanne Conway, I think, as well. <laughs> Let's get her one. <laughs> she was one of the evil exes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's go around and talk about what we thought about this movie. JM, you're the one who had yeah. seen this before. So, what did you think on this rewatch? Did it did it bring you back to the place that uh that you wanted? Did it numb everything? Did it distract you from all this that is happening? Uh at times, I I think it's it's not horrible. I think it's got some terrible terrible messages um like i said i wish the movie had had nicholas cage ultimately realize that like his ancestor was did something terrible because i think that would have been a more powerful uh kind of allegory for uh for uh delving into uh to american history and when i say american history i include canada in that mm -hmm. i mean the americas like the west yeah. i'm saying you know i i think there's that could have been a an important thing to teach people instead of just you know this candy cartoon you know superficial history lesson that that really teaches us nothing. I, I I still think there's fun parts. I enjoy Ed Harris, but uh, it also just felt a lot thinner than the first one. Like I felt like there were more puzzles in the first one. It felt it felt a little more whole. This mm. one felt like they came up with two or three puzzles and then had a bunch of bad 
Indiana Jones like stuff at the end and uh, threw Helen Mirren in for some reason uh, that just made me feel bad for her. Yeah, so I'm going to say not rewatchable. Oh. Uh, though I will say I think this movie is is begging to be a trilogy. I would like to see a third National Treasure There's made supposed to be, isn't there? immediately. What? There is supposed to be a, a third National Treasure that has been in development, you know. Great. Yeah. Do it. Okay. All right. I'll see what I can do. Uh, what about Write you, Ryan? <laughs> I am never going to watch this movie again, <laughs> but it had some fun parts to it. I'm I'm with you, JM. I think the, the clues – I mean, if you look at something like Indiana Jones, um, it seemed like, you know, this movie was kind of bringing up uh, riddles and then immediately solving them. Like yeah. this cage was just like, just like 10, 10, 10, 10, 11. And you're like, okay, but I didn't even get a chance to really get in on that. Like I wanted to like try to solve it myself and I wanted it to be solvable by someone in the general public so that we could really invest in this, in this search and in this uh, mystery. But it, it just was kind of like, they paid little lip service to it and then moved on to floating a drone near the Statue of Liberty or whatever, or a helicopter with a really good, I don't know. So yeah, I'm I'm not going to watch it again. Wow. We have done so many movies that have not been historically accurate, but this one, which trades on history, um, um, <laughs> it, just, it was just so, so inaccurate and so whitewashy in so many ways that uh it just it just somewhat felt like a slap in the face to a bunch of people that would be watching this movie and wanting to learn more about history. Do you think this movie has history. been shown in in a history class? Oh god. At some point. I think this movie has been shown in a history class. I think I watched it in French. <laughs> no, you didn't. You're lying. Why were you in a high school no. French class years after you graduated? Yeah, That's, you would have been you like, up like Ed in Harris. your 20s, you creepster. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we got an early cut. It was sent to Trump and to us. Um, he turned it off for a What about you, part. Rob? Yeah, you know, there are aspects of this movie that I did enjoy. And I think that if you sort of watch it with a view that it is like sort of a children's movie, though it's crazy because they allowed Nicolas Cage to be the protagonist, so it doesn't seem like it. There are a lot of rewarding parts. I like the sort of half dip into history. I like history. I like learning about things and, you know... I like investigating the past and all of that. I wish that they did it in a little more truthful way, as we sort of talked about, in a way that wasn't, uh, yeah, wasn't whitewashed. But it's sort of a fun journey, even though it's ridiculous. The set pieces, you know, to go from, like, America to, like, France to Buckingham Palace, it seems like they always have to go for the biggest thing. Like, it always has to be, like, the most obvious bit of history or, like, the you know, the most symbolic thing. And, you know, that's really obvious and, uh, I don't know, sometimes bad, but sometimes you're just like, yeah, like, why not? You know, it's just a big, dumb movie and that's kind of what you want. So I'm going to go, I'm not going to say it's rewatchable i'm not gonna do that but i'm glad that we watched it tonight it was distracting it brought me to interesting places nicholas cage is (laughs) crazy and we can always appreciate that i mean he always gives a nicholas cage performance and you know he's the best at it the other people it's also i i do want to i do want to mention like it is a movie that like is about in a lot of ways the civil war because it's about like these families one are were confederates one were right. uh, union soldiers and like it, it never once mentions slavery like oh and there's the no only, black people the, there's no black people other than like the black head of the school who is like working mm. with ed harris for right. some reason we find out uh, which is weird. And then like the only time they really like address r- racism in any way is when <laughs> Nicholas Cage like calls in a tip that like the KKK used to meet in the place where they were going to have the president's birthday party. So they have to move it to the place <laughs> that's easier to kidnap him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, 
I still kind of enjoy these movies, but also fuck these movies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's like a fair, fair way to say it. I mean, you have to sort of like hold the contradiction in your brain and in your heart at the same time. It's bad. It's stupid. But uh, sometimes that's what you're okay with. And I don't know. <laughs> sometimes you just have to put up with what you get. Is that what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I'm falling apart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's rewatchability for this election night which won't be election night by the time you listen to this thanks for listening as always you can find us on apple podcasts and if you download us there leave a review and rate us that helps a lot you can also find us on stitcher and on spotify if you want to communicate with us we're on the social media we're on the twitter on facebook we're on insta so if you have any national treasures, you can tweet them at us, I guess, instead of them at us. I don't really know how it works. But also uh, become a Patreon if you wish to contribute that way. And uh, is there anything else? What am I missing? It's too late to tell people to vote, right? <laughs> <laughs> like way too late. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, you know, whatever happens out there, we believe in you people out there because, you know, people are good. And let's just uh, keep all of the love in our hearts as we go through these next four years. Please. Nicholas Cage, 2024. That's all I'm saying.